0: Hi, this is Calvin Reed.
1: And this is Heidi McDonald, And we're live at San Diego Comic-Con. And this is our daily Comic-Con podcast.
0: This is Calvin Reed. And uh, we're talking to you uh, from the floor. Well, not exactly from the floor of Comic-Con. Really from one of the... uh, the, uh, the rooms on the upper levels of the San Diego Convention Center. But um, this is uh, one of our special podcasts for more to come, uh, the PW Comics World Podcast. And I'm here at the Convention Center with Carl and Nancy Groper, who run the Will Eisner Foundation. And uh, I'd love to have them just tell uh, our listeners a little bit about who you are in your relationship to Will Eisner and what about the work you do at the Will Eisner Foundation. So thanks for giving us some time.
2: Hi, Calvin. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, actually, we're with the Will and Ann Eisner thank Family Foundation. That. Thank you very much for correcting me. And uh, Will would be very upset uh, if anyone left Ann out. <laughs> and I would not
0: want to do that. I was fortunate enough to to meet him and get a chance to talk with Will several times, and actually was on the stage a couple of times as a presenter uh, when Will was still alive. So thank you for correcting me. I, don't, I would well, not would Will pissed off at me.
2: Right, right. <laughs> You don't want that. No. Yeah, uh, But yes, so, but
0: tell us about uh, about the work you do at uh
2: My wife, Nancy, and I are running a small foundation that Will and Ann created. And really, we, we probably have the best uh, jobs of anyone here at the con. Uh, what we do is we, uh, we try to support sequential art. We try to do things that we feel Will would would have wanted to do Mm -hmm. so for example we support a number of scholarships at some of the art schools Mm -hmm. in the united states we've created a uh, an award in will's name at the annual library association Mm -hmm. meeting Mm -hmm. and that goes out not to books not to people but actually to Two or three libraries each year to help them develop their graphic novel collections.
0: Actually, that, I mean, since I have written about this award <laughs> in the past, actually, I mean, it's really an amazing award because really, it can really bring a library really give them an amazing collection. Can, can you tell them exactly what they get if you, if they're they're picked as a winner?
2: Well, the uh, the winning libraries receive uh, the entire uh, the good part, the entire Will Eiser Library. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of all the books uh, that he wrote over Mm -hmm. his lifetime, including all the Spirit Archive, Mm -hmm. so it's about 75 books, they receive most of the uh, uh, Eisner Award nominees directly Mm -hmm. from the uh, Eisner Award nominee publishers, Mm -hmm. and then the Foundation provides the libraries with $2,000 to buy additional graphic novels. And then a thousand dollars to hold a graphic novel-themed event. Yeah. So this is for, great- for example, last year there were uh, three libraries. This year there were three libraries that won. Last year the libraries already held their events, and mm. one of the li- one of them was the uh, San Mateo Juvenile Hall mm. that won the event, and they you know basically they brought in a number of comics creators who spoke to the kids. At Juvenile Hall, Great. and uh, it's uh, sort of the perfect uh, uh, combination of both uh, graphic novels and sequential art, and and helping libraries and kids when you get a, get a, get along with their lives. And and what what and what, what are some of the other things that the well, uh, the foundation? Well, Will's Will's uh, papers are at Ohio uh-huh. State. Uh-huh. So the library has been involved, I'm sorry, the foundation has yeah. been involved with supporting the Ohio, Ohio State Library mm-hmm. and uh, now Library and Museum. They recently had a building uh, a building fund, and they're actually uh, going to have a, uh, a physical, part of a physical building on the Ohio State campus. Cool. Very cool. And, uh, I mean, that's a
0: major collection of uh, comics and pop culture material, if I'm it not mistaken. Is, yeah. It is, it mm-hmm. is one of the biggest in the country, if I'm
2: not yes.
0: mistaken, yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, and, uh, there's, and there's also a Will Eisner uh, Week. That's <laughs> oh. a more recent event, uh, isn't
2: it? Well, we've, we've been holding uh, a Will's Will Eisner Week the first week of March mm-hmm. each year. Will's birthday was March 6th, mm. and we've been working with a number of uh, educational institutions and comic conventions that are, be- that are held in March, and... Mm and uh, trying to to, uh, convince them to uh, hold events. Not not only the fact that the event is part of Will Eisner Week, but the event is uh, getting getting more information out there about Mm -hmm. sequential art and graphic Mm -hmm. novels, and uh, just basically trying to do what we feel Will would have wanted to do. One of the exciting things has been that... uh, Nancy and I have uh, sort of felt, felt only been doing this, uh, it seems like forever, but for about five years. Mm. And we we keep thinking we've come up with something new, like with the libraries. Mm. And then we find that, you know, Will was there about 20 years (laughs) ago. And, uh, oh yeah, that I3 guy, he was knocking on our door uh, a few years ago. The common core for education now was yeah, something that a really big deal. Will would be thrilled about, yeah. really, mm-hmm. really thrilled. It was interesting
0: that you say that since we're standing here just after finishing a panel, that that seemed to be a theme also, that uh, Will Eisner was way ahead uh, <laughs> of all of our, our most advanced ideas. He seemed to have them and go through them many years before. So he uh, was a true visionary.
2: Yes, yeah. So,
0: uh, well, look, I, I'm going to let you go now. Thank okay. you so much. I really appreciate the work you do and for
2: giving me a few minutes today. Thank you, Calvin, right. and thank, thank you, and yeah. thanks to Publishers Week for the right. work you guys are doing as well. All right. Thanks so much.
1: Okay. Hi, this is Heidi McDonald. I am standing here with Eric Reynolds, uh, the associate publisher of Fantagraphics Books. Um, and, uh, Eric, you were yesterday... On the state of the industry panel uh, for diamond, and which you but you have not done traditionally a lot of diamond events. So, what made you want to go do one uh, again? Um, <laughs> that's
3: that's a good question. Um, I got invite. I got the invite to the Comics Pro breakfast, and I decided to go because I felt kind of for some reason I felt a des- a real desire to sort of reconnect with the direct market retail base because I think that ever since we went exclusive with Diamond a few years ago, it's created a little bit of a buffer between us and the retailers where we just don't, we don't, we don't need to communicate with them directly to just sort of keep the engine moving. And as a result, I think we've taken it for granted a little bit. Um, And it just sort of, I think partly because of Kim Thompson passing away, you know, and and more to the point rory root passing away a few years ago rory was was probably the retailer i talked to the most and i think kim's passing sort of reminded me of rory because those are you know those are probably the two closest people i've known in this business that have died and so it just made me sort of realize that there's a there is a new generation of retailers out there um that I, you know, that I don't know, and so I just wanted to kind of try to reconnect with, and I figured, you know, well, let's start here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, and then I was just there at the breakfast talking to Joe Field, um, and he just said, you know, hey, why don't you sit on this panel? And so that's how I got on there. I, it was literally like ten minutes before it yeah. started. Wow, it was, that's, good that's scripted, to be honest. That's kind
1: of great, though. I mean, did you find out, uh, did you talk to some new retailers? I
3: did. I did. I talked to several, and. Um, You know, and it it was good. I mean, I like talking to retailers. I spent a lot of time talking to retailers, you know, in the years before, you know, kind of the... the, I've been working at Fantagraphics for 20 years. I used to talk to retailers all the time when I was a reporter for the Comics Journal. That's how I got to know Rory, who was a great soundbite always. And then just continuing, you know, working on the business side of Fantagraphics. Um, You know, and it was a different world 10, 15 years ago where you just did engaged with retailers more. It was a smaller community. And now, I think as I said in that panel, things have sort of fragmented so much that, you know, I'm just trying to kind of reestablish those connections, you know? I mean, I do talk to retailers, but they tend to not be the comics pro type retailers, you know? Like, You know, your Bergen Street or Secret Headquarters, you know, Michael Trevis at Big Brain Comics. I have a lot of friends who are retailers, but they tend to be the more atypical direct market retailer, even if they have a diamond.
1: I will say that I think all those guys are Comics Pro members. And uh, I, I think as you get back into this, I think you'll see that there's definitely. Uh, a shift more towards those kind of stores. I think they're definitely, yeah. That's partly why I wanted to do it.
3: You know, I don't, don't, I'm not talking, I don't think, you know, I think that the Android's Dungeon model (laughs) is, you know, is definitely um, not a, not a, you know, not an accurate stereotype anymore. I don't think there are too many of those types of stores left. And also, you know, retailers are getting more progressive about ordering from various sources, Baker and Taylor and Ingram, or, you know, it's opening different accounts. So, um... I don't know, my point is, other than it really, you know, it really has changed, and I don't want to take for granted that right. it's the same way I'm accustomed to doing things.
1: Well, yeah. Eric, you've always shown a lot of forward thinking in this industry, <laughs> so obviously, you know, it's a good idea, it's, a, it's you know, you're on it again. Uh, what, uh, how about the show? Like, uh, you know, I, I will say there's one little thing that the retailers, well, somewhere, like, oh, you sell at shows. And, I mean, it's just, how can you not sell at a show? I mean, it's kind of a revenue model for you here. You know, I used to get
3: a lot more crap about that than I do now. In fact, when when Robert Scott brought that up, it was literally the first time a retailer has brought that up to me in several years. Even Brian Hibbs used to give me endless amounts of shit about that, and... And we've just sort of, you know, reached a detente, and, you know, yeah. and, and I think we both agree that we're both right. You
1: right. Know? Well, it's also that things are looking up. I mean, um, you know, retail sales are very strong. I mean, they are up even, they were up tremendously last year, yeah. and up, as they said at the, the, the panel, Absolutely. Uh, at the a, diamond uh, panel, that even... They're up the six months this year, not quite as spectacularly. But uh, let's, let's talk about Fanographics. I, I mean, how is, uh, you know, are there books that are doing well, surprise hits, or, you know, anything that's, uh, you know, taking off right now, or... Um,
3: where do I start? I mean, um, the Donald Duck books have been tremendously successful for us. That's been a, you know, fantastic franchise for us, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's been... St- incredibly encouraging Dash shaw's new school is probably the the sort of hot graphic novel of the moment um, it's a very imposing you know it, it looks like it looks like a big book in right. terms of like an event graphic right. novel right. and it is yeah so
1: it is. It's an amazing um,
3: story. so it's got that I'm, I'm personally super excited about Barnaby which is a book that I put together um, one of my literally you know one of my it was on my bucket list of, of books I wanted to do in my lifetime, and so it, it might be the book I'm, I'm personally most proud of that I've ever worked on. Um, I'm working on, right now, uh, the Tony Millionaire Sock Monkey collection, which is like this giant 350 page collection of uh, every sock monkey he's comic he's wow. done to date, um, including some other stuff. and. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a really yeah. big perennial right. hit right. for, you know, parents and kids.
1: Um, yeah, well, that's material is is uh, evergreen. Um, you, but, you know,
3: I'm sorry, the, the most exciting development that I've seen at Fantagraphics over the last year is the resurgence of Gilbert and Jaime right. Hernandez. Oh That's
4: well,
1: that,
3: been, you know, so personally satisfying uh, over the last, you know, year to two years um, that it's just, you know, it's just been wonderful to sort of see them just embraced you know as as much as they really right as the
1: superstars they they are yeah um and the book is sold out right the cover book is sold out yeah the
3: cover book sold out here at the show you know this was the first um comic-con ever that we didn't debut a new love rockets and uh no, no disrespect to Jaime but he, but he, but he missed the
1: deadline <laughs> no he is never going to live that down <laughs> uh, but yeah but at least you had the, the cover books
3: too. yeah we had the companion and the cover books and um you know, Gilbert's got a couple of, of very new books still, yeah. with *Children of Palomar*. Oh yeah, and well, day. He,
1: it's Gilbert's year. I mean, *Julio's Day*. And yeah, it was, hi, it was like it was Jaime's yeah, year last yeah. year, and it's Gilbert's year. And now last new year. *Tales of the New Palomar*. So yeah, it's uh, you know, that long live the king. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a book on the panel that I'm sort of just in love with, which is *Good Dog*. Yeah. And is that is that book like finding an audience or? Well, you know, I think
3: I think so. I mean, I, I honestly I I don't you know I haven't taken a real hard look at the the numbers of how it's done thus far, but I will say that we previewed it at a few trade shows last year. Um, we were at BEA last year, and I made, a, I made a poster of it for our booth, and also at the uh, ALA show, in the midwinter show, and the amount of people that would just see that cover and would just have... No idea who the artist was, no idea what the subject matter was, but we just see that cover
1: <laughs> and it's a good
3: dog and I presume it's because they're dog lovers yeah. that they, they will just like it's like a magnet, you know. Right. So right. I have I have faith that it's going to find its way into the hands of people who, you know, might not necessarily be Graham Chaffee fans. Because right. Graham has a, this is Graham's first book in about fifteen
1: years. Right, right. So he didn't have that built in kind of audience. Right. You know, one thing that I was observing at the panel was just about a lot of cartoonists seem to have a, a backlog a backstop now you know like so if you find a new book then there's more that to to, to find there's more you know let well, have the, a backlist
3: yeah, well that's the goal for every cartoonist I think you don't make you know comics is not the most lucrative profession in the world you know with of course some exceptions to prove the rule but um, so that's that's what you do you know and it's not like the old days when you could have a comic book and your comic book was kind of your business card to get you illustration work that helped you pay the rent because the illustration work's just not out there anymore. Cartoonists have had to really, like, re-think re how they can make a career out of being a cartoonist. and And one way is to just have a... a a nice backlist that, you know, you keep putting out more and more books, you're going to get more and more royalty checks. Right, right. It's well, simple.
1: they're uh, they're figuring out how to do it, and uh, luckily publishers uh, like Fantagraphics are around to publish them. Um, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. You're
3: very welcome, Heidi.
0: All right, this is uh, Calvin Reed. Uh, For more to come, the uh, PW Comics World Podcast. I'm on the floor of the San Diego Convention Center at the San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, we're going to talk today with uh, Keith Knight from the K Chronicles, um, cartoonist, uh, man about town, really funny guy. Um, Keith, thanks for uh, talking to us.
5: Uh, always, Always appreciative, always happy. When it comes to, to talking comics with you and talking Yankees Red Sox, yeah, which is happening it, right yeah. now.
0: That's a that's a whole other a whole other podcast, but we'll get to that. Uh, you, you, this is going to be a great podcast.
4: <laughs>
0: okay, can you give the, the uh, our audience is this uh, just a little background on on you, on
5: yourself? Oh well, um, this is actually my twentieth anniversary of being at Comic Con. Oh, awesome! Um, and my twentieth anniversary of doing the K Chronicles, yeah. uh, my autobiographical uh, indie cartoon, uh, which is—it's uh, like a blog before blogs existed. You know, it's my way of kind of ranting or just discussing my uh, wants, needs, desires, making fun of my family and friends, and, and mostly myself. And uh, so it was really cool to come here, and, and we did a, we just did a panel about, you know, the 20 years. Uh, I did it with three other friends who have been doing it 20 years. I didn't do Nappy Hour this year, unfortunately, yeah, but I had, um, my I have a five-month-old, and he was born right about the time when we had the pitch stuff, and I had no... <laughs> That was not on my radar. Yeah. Like I was, and I'm really sad because so many people have been asking about nappy Hour. And here's the thing that kills me the most: yesterday, uh, um, a colleague of mine that I knew from San Francisco was in town. W. Kamal Bell, who does Oceanic you know, totally Bias, yeah. Yeah, 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 amazing, yeah, yeah. Park. He, he, he had his totally biased uh, tour coming through here, and it would have been great if yeah, he was like a guest guy on the sure, nappy hour. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much I, like you yourself, I, 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 I dropped the ball on that. But, <laughs> but next year, it's going to be it's going to be big. And you heard it here first. I'm going to try to get one of those guys from that show to come in and, and oh. be like a secret guest star oh, on, awesome. on next year's happy nappy hour. Which, by the way, Calvin. Uh, a lot of people you know, mentioned that that was the one that you were on, was one of the best. Well, well, so you, like well that. you know, I actually saw something on Facebook uh, where I'm in the background.
0: Uh, me and Damien are, are sort of in the background. So sort of, I, I can't remember quite what it was, but um, yeah, oh, it's about you. It <laughs> was oh, about yeah. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: That was, um, yeah, I just. I just Tony Williams, a filmmaker, yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, doing a great uh, doc on black nerds. And yeah, so that's he, what it was. Had, yes, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, footage of the nappy hour. So yeah. that was really cool. It's amazing, like how all this different stuff is sort of converging and stuff. And I see these images because I just saw, you know, a recent image of the oh, and nappy and hour the, our, our okay. panel on Facebook too. Yeah. Uh, someone yeah. posted it so. You know, we're getting covered all over the place, yeah, man. Well, why don't you
0: tell us a little bit about uh, 25 Steps to a Better Kickstarter campaign? Because uh, you've got, obviously, some insights right. in this, having just run a successful Kickstarter campaign.
5: Yeah, yeah. I um, did a Kickstarter campaign for my first graphic novel about my time as a Michael Jackson in person yes. Yes. in the yeah. 80s. Was called I Was a Teenage yeah. Michael Jackson in Person. One of your funniest yeah. comics, too, for sure. And I launched it without knowing how to do a Kickstarter. <laughs> I, like, I put the, 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 the total too high, like people were saying like, when this fails, next time you can do this, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But what was great was a lot of my readers were giving me advice as it was going along, like, Keith, you may want to post your comics on the oh, site yeah, so people yeah. see what you do. You know, so <laughs> really simple. simple stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until about day 15 where I really started to kind of gain momentum. I guess normal Kickstarters start out really good because they people are smart enough to let people know about it where I didn't. <laughs> okay, well, and I live and learn. Mine sort of kicked in halfway through and I ended up raising $43,000. And it was like, whoa. Like It, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty so, you and obviously an think fast on your feet. <laughs> um, I was psyched. I was psyched. And I posted so many of my uh, colleagues were asking me about it that I sent them out an email, like these 16 uh, tips about it. And it ended up somehow I sent it to, to someone who blogged about it on the Washington Post blog. And uh, people really responded to it. And a guy came up to me and he said, I raised, I followed your 16 uh, tips, and I raised seventy thousand dollars, and I was like, "Whoa!" It's like, okay, I'm gonna put together this zine that has twenty five tips, and uh, including those sixteen tips, and uh, and you know, just and just put it out there because I know there's a lot of folks out there that want to know
1: what I know
5: about it, and uh, and the guy who who raised that money, I said, "So what? What was it about these tips that?" made you you know be so successful and he said you know yours your explanations are the first explanations that that I could really kind of grasp like I could understand you have a way of explaining things that are very simple so I thought wow that's a really cool thing and and that's what cartooning is really it's it's like like simplifying Something and getting that message across, and that's what I do with this Kickstarter thing. Awesome. So, um, we're gonna we're just gonna do a short talk with you, but where can people
0: find? your work online as well. And, and 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 the zine, is it only is it only a paper zine
5: or can we It's a paper zine. We, yeah. Can we find it online or no? It's a paper zine. I'm actually working on making no worries, no worries. it an easy no, no, it's like, um not fine. it's not right now. Yeah. Uh, but you can order you can go to my website, kchronicles.com. Obviously that's where you can find my work. And uh, and you just go to the store and you can and and purchase the Kickstarter zine from there or nightlifecomic.com, which is K-N-I-G-H-C, L I F E C O M I C. So that's where my daily comic is and you can and get the Kickstarter zine from there too. All right. Well I'm gonna take the paper zine, because uh, you know they might I might have a Kickstarter campaign in me. <laughs> I think we all have a few Kickstarters in us and uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Okay, man, thank you very much. All right, thanks. Uh, appreciate it.
1: Uh, hi, this is Heidi McDonald, and I'm here with Rick Geary. Uh, One of my favorite cartoonists. All right, I admit it, you know, throw away journalistic, you know, dispassion there. But uh, Rick, of course, is the creator of the Treasury of Victorian Murders and now the Treasury of 20th Century Murders. And uh, so, Rick, what's the latest murder that you've been exploring?
4: Well, the the latest book I finished, uh, in fact, I just finished the pages about a week or two ago, is the story of the murder of Stanford White, the architect in 1906, New York. Um, and it's kind of a complicated soap opera, but he was killed by the husband of his former mistress. So it uh, it's very steamy and uh, uh, how shall I say it? Yeah, uh, uh, right. It gets very uh, uh, naughty. Complicated Wasn't there
1: not- swings involved or There's
4: something? There's a red velvet swing which he had in his uh, private studio, where yeah. he would bring young ladies to. To yeah. uh,
1: just swing, I suppose. Yeah, swing in various uh, oh. definitions of that word. Yes. Um what, uh, what attracts you to a murder, a particular murder? You've done Lizzie Gore, Lizzie Borden, uh, uh, Jack the Ripper, the Lindbergh Child. I'm looking here, uh, many, the Beast Henry Holmes. The, what, what attracts you to these killings?
4: Well, um, I'm most attracted to the unsolved cases, of course, because there's uh, the element of the unknown and the unknowable, which I... Uh, I just really feel a close connection to, and then otherwise I do other cases which are very well known, and we know the murderer from the beginning. So, uh, and that has an element of fame to it that involves famous people. Um, I, I enjoy doing those as well, but the, it's the unsolved cases that really, really grab me.
1: Now, when you do an unsolved case, what what do you have a research phase or? Well oh, definitely, I do about six months of reading
4: and research before I uh, ever actually do a drawing, and um, I try to find out as much as I can and read as many viewpoints and as much speculation as possible, so I get uh, the entire survey of uh, what people have thought about this case over the years, and uh, then try to
1: distill it down. Right, right. Well, you've been very successful at it, if I do say so myself, but um, do you have any books that are a favorite of yours?
4: No. Well, I have to say uh, my sentimental favorite is the one I did about the bloody benders of uh, (laughs) southeastern Kansas because I I grew up in Kansas and my mother's family is from southeastern Kansas and the benders are kind of part of the folklore of that part of the country and uh, I was really really uh, glad to be able to do that story.
1: Now you also have another book coming out that you kickstarted, well, when and that is coming out imminently as well. What is, what yeah. is that one about? Well, this, it's
4: called The Elwell Enigma, and it's another unsolved case, and it's uh, one of uh, the real uh, impenetrable mysteries of the history of New York City. Uh, a man named Joseph Elwell who was an expert on the game of bridge, and he was uh, shot to death in his home, in 1920, and uh, it's never been solved, and there were uh, never really any fruitful lines of investigation, and uh, they couldn't even figure out really how it was done even, how someone could have gotten into his house and done it.
1: Wow. Yeah. Did you have any inspirations while you were researching it? It (laughs)
4: <laughs> inspirations, as far as uh, as a solution, uh, not at all. I uh, I try to keep a very open mind, and uh, in this one especially, it's uh, yeah. nothing really so, presents itself. So,
1: what made you decide to do Kickstarter? However, I mean, you've been at this business quite a while. You were in Epic Magazine back in the day, and you know worked for New York Times. I mean, every you know you've done it all pretty much. So, so what what attracted you to Kickstarter? Well, uh, actually, it, it grew out of a, a conversation last
4: summer that I had with a friend of mine here who uh, recommended that I try it. And I just wanted to give it a go to see how it worked. And uh, it seemed like a natural to do a, an unsolved murder story, because that's what I'm known for pretty much. And so it was successful beyond my
1: <laughs> wildest
4: expectations. I was uh, just blown away.
1: Now, will you return to Kickstarter?
4: Oh, I believe so. In fact, we're talking about another project right now. Wow. uh,
1: Um, And also, any work that's non-murder related? Uh, (laughs) He's looking around blankly. Actually, no, to tell
4: you the truth. I still contribute to MAD every now and then, and uh, whatever other illustration jobs come along.
1: So it's all murder all the time at the Rick Erie household. (laughs) Um, Anyway, well, Rick, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you Heidi, always good to talk to you.